All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial, the show that explores the themes of Saturday morning TV that not only did we grow up with, just look around. They grow up with us, too. Woo! Okay, this is also a very special episode, y'all. Listeners will know it's uh, special when we call this out. It's a That One Guy episode. Play that theme music. Oh, who's that? That's, uh, oh, oh, he's, uh, 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 he's from, um, d- uh, with, with, uh, oh, is that one guy? Is that one guy? Okay, everybody. All right. Who is that one guy this week? Well, it's a little bit different because he's a voice actor, but his name is Rob Paulson. His voice. Oh my God. You have heard it. Uh, we, we've got a long, long chat with him coming up. Uh, where you just hear what an awesome guy he is, but we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> In the meantime, why should you know his name? Uh, well, first of all, you can start taking it from me because I'm your host here, damn it. My name is Dan Grimshay. I've also got some other guys helping me out because you're going to need help. First, helper Marquis, can you speak up? Hello, everybody. It's good to be here. I missed you all, and uh, someone else should talk now. All right, that's a good that's a good idea. As a matter of fact, who is that other person? Perhaps another co-host. Perhaps it might be uh Jimmy the Gent Lazinski. Jimmy, please are you here? Greetings, citizens. This is the sound of my voice. Mm. And since we've just got to bring all of the support to help you understand who Rob Paulson is, we even got the biggest heavy hitter of all. Johnny Heck, please tell us you're here. Hey yo. Glad to be back with you, gents. How's everybody doing? No, it's irrelevant. Uh, We're all in pain (laughs) and suffering constantly. But let's move on from that because it's a That One Guy episode and it's Rob Paulson. Mm. You guys know who he is. Somebody's got to... We're here to gather together over the interwebs. Someone's got to have like an IMDB browser open. You can tell me... Give us, like, how much has this guy done? All right, so I'm going to go on to the IMDb page of Rob Paulson right now. I wish I had some theme music. Do, 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 do. Are you going to do an IMDb reading? Can I do an IMDb reading? Take it away. An IMDb reading on that one guy episode? We're doubling down. It's crazy. And And I tell you what, I fucking like it. IMDb. 
Well, and so, oh, all right, so I'm going to... Uh, we might end up doing a wiki, too. I'm going to start from when I enter Rob Paulson in the IMDb, and now... Well, hey you got to buy him dinner first. Start the clock. Woo! <laughs> I'm going to start scrolling. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi, six Mississippi, seven Mississippi, eight Mississippi, nine Mississippi, ten Mississippi, <laughs> eleven Mississippi, twelve Mississippi. Stop scrolling. Stop scrolling. At least tell us what year you're in at this point. Fourteen Mississippis, and I'm in. I'm in 1983. His very first credit is Dexter and uh, it's Dexter the Dragon and Bumble the Bear, which I don't know. But the second credit he's got is G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, which was the miniseries of the G.I. Joe show that we all love and admire to this day. Uh, and he played the voice. Well, of, there you go. It proves he's relevant to our theme. Hot damn. Hot damn. Uh, he played Tripwire, Cobra Slave Master. He played Flash. And then he would, he would reprise his voice for the G.I. Joe second miniseries, which was The Revenge of Cobra, where he played Snowjob, well, Tripwire. Why would he? has got staying power. Hell, he played two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in two different iterations. Yeah. Uh, as, as I believe. Uh, also, if I'm not mistaken... He featured in at least two or three of the cartoons uh, whose theme songs you just heard in our opening. I believe. Uh, such as our anchor Snorks, one of my yep, favorites. Uh, he also was in The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, which is no small feat because it's Gummy no, Bears. Uh, hell, that was Disney. <laughs> that's Wait. probably in the Disney vault if you want to watch that show. Oh, I mean, what? That's big stuff. This Wait, guy we... has been in someone. Someone just scroll back up to the top, Marky, All right. and tell me how many credits this guy has. Yeah, um, I was... Is it like 150, 200? There's, What's he got? There's not an official... Uh, there's not an official count for Saturday Morning Serial, but I'm going to... I think I'm on safe footing to say that this is probably a record. He has 528 credits. 528. Whole five hundred and twenty-eight IMDb. Credits. Yes, that. So, so now we can at least put a number behind your fourteen-second scroll. Back. <laughs> yeah, that's how long it took me to scroll down. So that's at least like five hundred twenty-eight less than I have, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> wow. Just to put it in perspective. Yeah, just so everyone gets it. I mean, if you look at it too. All those, remember those Land Before Time movies? Which the dinosaurs? Was, was he in that? He probably was in that. Dude, he was in like <laughs> ten of them. He's guy? been in everything. <laughs> Name something. Tom and Jerry in it. Scooby Doo <laughs> in it. I mean, the dude's been everywhere. Hey Jimmy, was he in any? He's been in Star Wars properties. Was he in any Batman been... properties, Jimmy? He was in Batman the Animated Series. That's big. He Bam. was uh, in Batman. He was in Lego Batman. Boom. Uh, I actually saw. He was in the Batman. Uh, I saw when I was scrolling down that he was one of the voices in The Dark Knight Returns, which was the Batman movie, the um, animated feature. So, yeah, this guy, he's been in everything. He's been in Ace. He was in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, the TV series. <laughs> you know, I don't think that was a voice. Which we, some, probably, which we all watch yeah, at, uh, as a group. Yeah. The four of us watch. Um, at least once a month, yeah, right, guys? Yeah, he, he mean, followed we, that up. We cherish <laughs> it. But regardless, out of 528, 
good lord, the odds on knowing a, a fraction of them are pretty long, and I recognize quite a few. I mean, include just recent. He was he's in Rick and Morty. I mean, it's not like he's irrelevant yet. He's not Mel Blanc. He's still yeah. He's still producing. He's still a heavy hitter. He's in the brand new Animaniacs, by the way. One of his biggest roles. Or at my testicles. Somewhere. Animaniacs. 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 The big breakout Steven Spielberg <laughs> show when we were just in, you know, coming out of adolescence, yeah. most of us, speaking for me at least, uh, that swept the nation before there was uh, any, uh, you know, streaming or, or specialized kid networks. And they just brought it back to uh, big ratings, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, I was watching some And of them. he's still there. I mean, holy crap! This guy is still working. I think you would uh, you would see a Animaniacs on an Adult Swim channel nowadays. Like it was so out there back then. Like it was just wild and crazy, right? Would you agree? Well, it, but it it hewed so close to the old Warner Brothers spirit. Like I on I remember when I first saw it, and I must have been maybe thirteen or something. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought these were characters yeah. that already existed in that universe that were like background players or minor ones that they brought in. It was a while before I realized, like, no, they just made new ones, but they really have that the Warner Brothers feel, the the Bugs Bunny, the Wiley e. Coyote and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did it all with like this uh, half Beatles, half Michael Caine accent. Uh, he's got the famous song mm-hmm. in there that uh, you know real millennials will quote you on their on their page of Instagram. <laughs> I'm not as up to date hey, as I hey, used Shane, to be. Did, did you think he got paid for play contracts? <laughs> and is, is, is that a reference that is supposed to go over my head? Wow, because that, you, that you did break. not land at all. <laughs> <laughs> we get paid for play contract. It's in the goddamn theme song. Oh well, we're Someone not. A, we don't remember that. We're not in a condition to comment on such things. I do right. know yeah. that he was on. Like he was also. He's also a lot of these um, uh, voiceover actors, and that is not a derogatory term. I respect those people <laughs> uh, immensely. Um, but he was in the um, like Star Wars. Uh, Starfighter video game, and he was one of the voices in the Star Wars Rogue Squadron video game, you know, back when it was on the Nintendo um, 64 or whatever that was. So, like, you yeah. know, this guy's been there. He's been like, he's just. This... His voice has been captured in so many mediums, and one of them is an N64 cartridge. A cartridge. That says something about your place yeah. in in society as a voice actor. And again, no offense. <laughs> yes. And, uh, hey, I mean, hey guys, uh, and, wh- and what's let me a tell you something more about Mr. <laughs> Rob Paulson. The reason he's one of those go-to voice actor legends is because he is an amazingly engaging, natural speaker. He's got a mastery of his voice, and he is just just a gifted improviser. And beyond that, he's a hell of a guy. He's a lot of fun to talk to, and I can tell you why I know firsthand. Because me and my boy, Jimmy Lazinski, we took some time out and talked to him during, uh, you know, these trying quarantine times. Is one of the best hours I've spent in the last month. I can't speak for Jimmy, who is a very negative person. 
<laughs> but maybe second you can best, find out. Second best hour of mine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I think you should all hear it. It's just so much fun to listen to him talk. And he's actually got such a long and amazing story. And his upbeat attitude is, uh, how shall I put it? Oh, no. Now I'm just, now I'm burying the lead. God damn it, Magic Interview Machine. Just give it to us. Working out and it's nothing but a blast. Yeah, well, let's talk about it now because it is you've sure. been in this business uh, long enough that now everybody's got a camera and a microphone in their pocket. But Amen. you know, when you started, you had to go out of your way to a special booth with lots of expensive equipment, and it was it was a game that you had to get into. Um, but do you think it's better or worse now that anyone? Has a has a platform to just throw their talent out there. Well, I think that it's infin- infinitely better that people have an uh, an opportunity to scratch that creative itch and do something that makes their soul happy for the noblest of reasons, and that is simply because it makes your soul happy. I, I submit, by not getting too existential, but in my life. Um, I've been fortunate to find a way to make a living doing essentially what got me in trouble in seventh grade back in Grand Black, Michigan. But I'm a better human when I'm happy. And I know that sounds silly, but it's it's kind of something that I um, – it's part of my ethos. And I think that one could make the argument that, Jesus Christ, if if you like to bowl on the weekend – and you work hard all week, but you really work on your bowling game, and you have a killer weekend. And you, you know your averages—you end up after a tournament with a 240 average, which is crazy. You're a happy freaking guy or girl for a while because it's really important to you. It's not how you make your living; it is your avocation. But it's really important just for its own sake, and it is not encumbered with why you have to work, oh, my God, I hope we make it to the next paycheck, all of the issues that we all deal with. So my point about what your very cogent question with respect to the ability for people to get their stuff out there and get it out there on a platform like YouTube, which allows you to possibly access hundreds of millions of eyeballs for free, I don't even know how I would have dealt with something like that at 20 or even younger, 10, 12, 14, 15 years old, to find an outlet uh, where I could be creative in Michigan or northern, the Northwest Territories or the tip of Argentina, or it doesn't matter. It, that is a huge deal. And to me, if you've got more people finding ways to share what is usually, usually joyful stuff, usually happy creative stuff, or stuff that makes you think, or you, you know what I mean. It doesn't. It, it's not all just picture of car accidents and horrible stuff. There are a lot of deeply thoughtful, wonderful, creative people, young and old. So to have access to that and, a, and an outlet um, that creates joy in them, I think it's a logical conclusion that, that we've got maybe, hopefully, more happier people. The recent political issues notwithstanding but i think you see my point you know i do mm-hmm. i do although i can't help but mm-hmm. flash back to exactly what you know internet comment sections 
basically oh, are, well, which is different. the flip side yeah. of that coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100%. And I guess uh, and I don't know I, if you can have one without the other. Well, that's probably two, you know, two as well. Um, this is a great discussion because we've, we all live that axiom, especially those of us like you and me who are you guys and me who are in the uh, entertainment business. And, and uh, as they say, everybody's a critic. But that's kind of their right. We all, when we put ourselves up there, open ourselves up to being criticized. Some of it is thoughtful. I, you know, often it's just, oh, I hate it, it's bullshit. Well, okay. I mean, that's just part of the deal, and you just deal with it, and roll, it rolls off your back, or it doesn't, in which case you don't do it, or you do it for yourself, and you don't want to deal with how whatever people think. That's okay, too. The, the thing I have a problem with vis-a-vis the other side of the, of the uh, Internet coin is that it is perfect cover for lies, innuendo, uh, vile behavior, and at the risk of sounding like my father, when I was a kid, if somebody called my mother, my girlfriend, my sister, you see my point. Mm-hmm. You say, dude, I'll see you at school. And on either side of the equation, fear can also be a great way to keep your nose clean. You know, you're stop saying that shit. But anyone now can criticize or say horrible things about a young person who creates something and just tear it apart for its own sake with utter impunity. And there's no I'm not suggesting violence, but there's no reason to have the courage of your convictions of any conviction. And that is something that is really a problem. But I don't know, in my view, if it's worthy of, you know, putting a kibosh on it for all the obvious reasons, because I just love the fact that people can be creative and try to get their stuff out there. You definitely have to develop, you know, a bit of a thick skin if you're willing to put it out there and, and you know, understand what trolls are about. And in my old age, I'm still learning an awful lot about that. But I've also Something been doing artists have years. known for generations. Yeah, exactly. It's part of the deal. When I moved out here at 22, I'd already been on the road for three years. I'd have people thrown, you know, shot glasses at the stage at me and forgotten lyrics and screwed up and realized it's not the end of the world and been embarrassed and said, you guys suck. Okay. It's just part of the deal. Um, So I'm very philosophical about it. And um, when people give, you know, criticize something harshly on which I've worked, um, they certainly have the right to do that if they've watched it. I've already been paid, so in a practical sense, I got yeah, I'm, I'm fine. But uh, my my point is that look, nobody in my lifetime, I've done I don't know, 2,500 half hours of animation. I don't know how many uh, commercials, video, whatever. Um, no one, no one, no one takes millions of other people's dollars and tries to make a piece of junk ever. And so that's the only time that I try to get a little bit, um, I try to temper what what is, I thought, a thoughtful criticism with a certain amount of realism and understand, God, I hate to tell you this, but that really didn't work. And here are my reasons, not because I don't like you, here, here are my reasons, you know, and that sadly, I think, has lost a lot in social media about anything, especially when you have such a a heated political circumstance that is outright and demonstrably dangerous if that shit goes down. Um, 
but yeah, it's a it's a it's a fascinating conversation, which clearly I've been monopolizing. But um, um, I'm really glad you asked. I, I'm I have uh, interesting feelings on both sides, and I don't think they're too dissimilar to what a lot, a lot of other creative people feel. There there is definitely a dark side to the yep. uh, to the internet, and with uh, to quote. Uh, Somebody's uncle, you know, with great powers come res- great responsibilities. Great responsibilities, uh, yeah. And I think more than in the past, if you put something out there, uh, not only do you have the avenue to put it out there and present it to people, like you said, but all those people also have the avenue to let you know, like you were just saying, how what they thought about it, positive or negative. But here's the thing: maybe you didn't ask. <laughs> now they have exactly a, a, oh, a big true. amplified voice to let you know their thoughts, yep. whether you care to hear them or not. Exactly. And it's from people, don't you find this as well, that you read stuff like that or you hear this invective laced, I mean, really nasty stuff. And and if you know the person who's doing it, sometimes don't you, at least I do, I say, God, how do you not know better than to say that? How do you, yeah. truly, how do you not understand that what you've just posted is viewable by your children? by the people whom you purport to teach by example. Mm. I mean, nobody's got a problem if you think a record's a piece of shit, but the things you write and the words you use to describe a creator, a politician, whatever, especially as someone who knows better, you think, well, how, how do you go home and, and how would you reconcile that with your wife by using those terms about another woman? Mm-hmm. With no focus on anything other than her sex. That's it. It's not about policy, not about her acting, not about her choices as a musician, not about, you know, the book she wrote having kind of a weak plot. It's not about anything but the fact that she is a woman and therefore a blank. And I just don't get how adults, kids are often bullies, we get that. But when adults are bullies, and when it's propagated over and over and over again by people who should freaking know better, if for no other reason, to demonstrate how to behave to your kids, uh, it's just, it's the freaking wild west out there, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know? uh, and the little concern or thought that those those words that you're putting down are going to be out there forever. So if your kids don't see them now, they're going to see them someday. They maybe, you know, maybe this needs to be a class that's taught in school, uh, online etiquette and uh, responsible Uh, critiques. It's forever. If you start doing that stuff or God forbid, if young, you know, look, everybody has a couple of beers and does wacky stuff. Usually it's relegated to when you're younger, but now uh, when you have, like you, you said it beautifully, everybody's got a phone and a microphone, I'm sorry, a camera and a microphone in their pocket. You're at a party at college, somebody has a few pops, and people start taking off their shirts. And man, you know, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of funny or weird, look at that dude. It's not so funny when you're 38. It's not so funny when you're 46, you know? And I, I, it's just forever. And um, it is such a totally different time out there. Um, and we also know, in fact, I'm starting to work with a company called Boo to Bullying. Um, 
you guys have read and heard and sadly maybe even know people who have done harm to themselves because of the brutality of some of this online bullying, um, primarily children. But mm -hmm. that's especially why it should be somehow um, a total cautionary tale all the time. It's just constantly amazed at how people behave when they know nobody can do anything about it, you know? Let's um, let's let's circle back to let's change the topic a little bit here and circle back to high yeah, school. Yeah, because your listeners are going to kill themselves having listened to all this <laughs> madness. What? Um, so you grew up in Michigan, right? I did. Okay, and uh, I myself grew up in the Detroit suburbs, um, playing oh, hockey. Cool. I wanted to know what uh, you you were a big hockey player as a young lad. What position did you play? I was a left wing, um, left wing center. Uh, often left out. I'm just not that good. No, I, I, um, yeah, left wing. I'm always, I played forward. I started playing probably like you when I was very young. I was born in, uh, Livonia and, um, lived in Dearborn, Rochester, went to high school in Grand Blanc. And, um, as they say, pure Michigan. Um, the only two things I wanted to be in my lifetime were a hockey player for the Red Wings and a performer. Um, I realized when I was about, 17, not 18, I had an opportunity to play in college, not on a scholarship, but it was like, look, you're pretty good. Come on and, and skate and we'll have a look at you. We've got a few scholarships left over for skate-ons, as it were. Mm -hmm. 15 minutes. I had some kid from uh, Winnipeg drill me so hard, totally clean. I had my head down, boom. And, and when I kind of got my bearings, he was, oh, man, I'm really sorry, eh? I am too, but I, it was my bad, you know, stuff, hockey 101, if you're, keep your head up. Okay. We, but it was a clear, it was like this immediate epiphany. I had no business trying to make a dime going right. any farther. Yeah. You know, Boy, here's a kid, <laughs> right. here's when I a came kid out of it, I was talking in funny voices and I knew I was on <laughs> That's right. I got, wow. Hey, God, right. I've just had my bell run. Do it again. No. <laughs> And um, so I, I remember saying to myself, wow, okay, that's in a strange way. It was kind of a relief because I was getting to the point where I was taking the game so seriously because I really wanted to go for, further. But I, I thought, wow, the odds are this kid who just, just absolutely leveled me is not going to make a living as a hockey player either. And I'm not even close to as, to as good as this guy is. So Maybe he did you a favor, and he did. I love the game. I still go and bang around with my buddies. It's great fun. Um, but for me, it's like golf. I, I'm a good enough golfer to know how good I'm not, and mm -hmm. so I don't have any problems with screaming and throwing golf clubs and all that. Um, but, yeah, that's I'm, I'm uh, all about the Red Wings. I'm all about hockey. Um, and um, what position did you play? Uh, oh, I very similarly. I started off as a wing, but I was I I was like not great, right, and um, uh -huh. narcissistic enough that I didn't want to sit on the bench at all. Yeah. So I I leaned into being a goalie, where you get to play the whole game, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good so, but also the same thing, like coming out of high school, um, you know, that's when you've got the the opportunities to move forward with it and whether or not you go to college or you're going to make a career out of it, just like you were saying. And, um, yeah, I just got lit up 
Like I was uh, went to those tryouts. It was a couple of days of tryouts and yep. um, coming, you know, uh, um, big uh, small fish in a big pond. You know, in my totally. in my hockey in my hockey community and where I played, I was pretty good and the best goalie. Yeah. You know, I won everything. And as soon as they got out, went and played with those big guys, they were just tuned in me. They saw every ray of sunshine behind me and hit it, put it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a totally, it's a totally different animal. And I, and I, and it's the same way with show business. When I moved out here at 22, I had been on the road for three years: one with a theater company, and two with band, a rock and roll band, uh, opening for other acts and all that. But I learned a lot. And so when I came to LA to ply my trade and ostensibly do TV and movies and, and music. I was a singer who became an actor. Nothing that happened to me surprised me. I That experience in hockey was so valuable, you guys, to my perspective about my relative importance in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like, I had already had it. You said it perfectly, small fish in a big pond. I had already had the experience I'm feeling like, wow, okay, they invited me to this tryout. I, I can't be that bad, blah, blah, blah. I scored a few goals in high school, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go there, and you think, holy shit, I, I'm way out of my league, literally. And so when I went to Hollywood, I was not expecting to knock everybody's socks off. I was, my competition was me. I know when I'm killing it, and I know when I'm not. I know that I was technically competing with others, but I was under no preconceptions about my relative gifts and, and how important they were to Hollywood. And so nothing happened to me out here that I didn't expect. You know, the constant, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you, being broke, et cetera, et cetera, blah, happens to everybody. And the difference is that if you can compete, you can be in a position where the folks who can really make a difference, like a scout, you know, sitting in the stands, are here. They're on the other side of the table when you're auditioning, on the other side of the glass when you're singing. And they're the people now who can, you know, you've had to come to them. They don't give a shit where you are. If you want to come to Hollywood, great. We'll have a listen to you. And um, that's the difference, is when you know you can compete to make sure you're in the right spot so that the people who can make a difference are there. Um, well, I still, so I still got to ask though, because, yeah. uh, you know, uh, getting taken off your skates in a hockey tryout, you said, all right, mm -hmm. I can read the signs, but getting shot glasses thrown at you in bars <laughs> at no point where you're like, maybe performing isn't for me. Right. Did you, so you never, you never really got your bell rung performing where you well, sat I did back emotionally. Said, I got heartbroken a couple of times. Um, what I did though, is, is I have to say that. I, I need to clarify. When I had shot glasses thrown at me and people screaming, you guys suck, it was in, you know, pretty mediocre nightclubs. That's a strong word. Um, but a place that was, I don't care how many times you go in there, the smell of, you know, beer and vomit are pretty much, and, and, and by the way, and tobacco. <laughs> I'm sorry, you, you know, mean, you mean nightclub is a generous description of these <laughs> yeah. venues? Is that what you're... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, it was, you know, because every every time every club I ever played in was smoking and drinking. You know, everybody smoked, so it was a combination of stale tobacco, stale beer, and vomit. Every bar that a mid-level rock and roll cover band with an occasional opening gig place, but the but the experience was invaluable. 
precisely because it, um, it, it, it primed me for the experience of, of being in the, a bigger pond with a whole lot of people. And a lot of them are really, really good. A lot of them are miraculous songwriters. A lot of them are terrific actors, um, incredible improvisers, all the things that have become germane to my work. And uh, and I was able to to learn with folks like that. Well, then you've um, got to have some kind of faith in your skill set. Oh yeah, it sounds. No, I mean, I, I understand I, it's good to have yeah, perspective, I, but you know, if you're actually going to go to audition after audition, you kind of have right. to think you're the best in the room. I'd imagine. Well, you you have to think that. Um, I, I don't know about the best in the room. I have to think I'm the best that I can be. Um, I don't really, most of the time, especially as a youngster, I didn't know the other people in the room. I have to tell you, it's a little disconcerting when you're going to read for, you know, the girl, the boyfriend of uh, this young girl in a Clorox commercial, and everybody who walks in that room looks like they could be a cousin or a brother, every one of them. And it is not about your chops. It's about whether or not you fit the suit for the Clorox commercial. And that's fine. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. It's just the way it goes. So the, 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 the point to me was hanging in long enough and getting enough positive feedback that allowed me to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm where I need to be, um, which is kind of a nebulous feeling to pinpoint. Uh, but you know it when it feels right. And if when it really sucks and you think, you know, I don't know that I would really rather be anywhere else right now. I, I, I know I could go back home. I, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not quite done here yet. And so that's what keeps you going until you have an opportunity to read or sing or perform for someone and the object of the audition is not just, are you the right height or the right color? It's, um, all right, kid, what do you got? And, and that's when you hope that all the, the work comes together for that five minutes or three minutes, which is essential, which is a, quite a privilege when you consider that there might be a thousand people within a two-block area in Hollywood who could technically read for that, but you're one of the 50 who are there that day. And so uh, understand what a privilege it is. And this is what you asked for, Junior. So are you going to deliver or not? And that's where you hope you deliver. Well, you got a hell of a resume for a guy with this much humility. That's off to you there. Yeah, thanks, man. It's it's a little easier to get cast, and I certainly don't mean to say it's easy by any stretch, but it it opens more doors. May maybe I should say to get cast in a voice acting in an animated oh. project because maybe you're don't you don't make it for the voice of Batman, but maybe you can, as I look at your resume, play a seagull here. Uh, so there's yeah. there's always <laughs> no yeah, suit and, to fit and, for that one. Right. Right. Exactly. And you have already said what I would have said a little further in possibly, which was uh, when I got here, as I said, it was the ostensible reason was the normal ones, TV, music, movies. And I was. Um, I moved here in 1978, which is really difficult for me to even say. Um, but uh, I was doing episodic television, MacGyver, St. Elsewhere, <laughs> Love American stuff. I don't know what it was. Just the you know the usual stuff. Auditioning for Hill Street and Three's Company. Blah blah blah. Um, and I, I don't know, twenty five or thirty on camera commercials. Everything from Clorox and Honda 
Ford, Levi's, Kentucky Fried, the usual stuff, and a lot of music. Um, and then the opportunity in the mid-'80s came to audition for cartoons. And the, and the first two I auditioned for and, and actually booked were G.I. Joe and Transformers. Um, and to your point, the first thing I thought when I walked into my session um, was, oh, my God, I recognize that woman from the Bob Newhart show. I recognize that guy from, um, you know, Get Smart 15 years ago. I recognize that older gentleman there from being a semi-regular on, um, you know, the Dukes of Hazard, stuff like that, because they're all actors. They're journeyman actors like yours truly. They just want to work. Mm -hmm. But none of them were limited by the way they looked. Uh, it was so cool to see, wow, I check out the characters coming out of that sweet lady's face. I, I never would have expected. And it was like, ding, dude, this is the gig. Nobody cares what you look like. It is literally about you being as creative as possible and the kindness of people to hire you. And who knows? They might ask you to sing. I'll be damned. You know, all that stuff. So I was living that axiom at 27, 28, finally, that luck really is when opportunity meets preparation. I did not realize when I was creating character voices because I enjoyed it, and I did it with my buddies and trying to emulate the Pythons and Peter Sellers and, and Jonathan Winters and all my heroes, that I was doing something for its own sake that would put me in a position 20 years down the road, or not 20, um, 15 years down the road, in which I would be confronted with Steven Spielberg, a fresh, clean sheet of paper, Warner Brothers animation. I've already got my foot in the door. Hey, man, those cool, those wacky characters you create and you think on your feet, you're a pretty solid actor, kid. Can you sing in those characters? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hear it. Okay. I thought you'd that. never ask. Right. <laughs> you know, I'll sing it. And you just think, oh, my God, I, I'm so glad I did it because I just wanted to do it. And here I am, and I'm getting lucky because I'm prepared for this crazy opportunity that I never expected when I drove out here seven years ago. So, um, yeah, that's uh, your, your point is 100% spot on. And now, as an old guy, I'm still not limited by the way I look. I am only limited by my chops. I'm a better actor now than I was 10 years ago, than, than five years ago. Um, and I hope that that won't ever stop. Um, but... Uh, so as much as I enjoy doing on camera or stage, and I, I hope to continue doing it all, but my utter creative juice and the things that I enjoy the most are being completely unencumbered by the way I look uh, in terms of my, my creativity. It's incredibly freeing to be able to say, oh, sure, you need a talking fill in the blank. Yeah, let me see what I got. I love that. All right, all right. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna quiz you here. Uh, let's say, okay. let's say you're in to do a recording session for uh, Pinky and the Brain. Uh, you're okay. all set, uh, but uh, okay. what what? It turns out Maurice Lamarche food poisoning can't come in. Oh dear. Is there any way, Rob, you could do both parts? What? Let me uh, hear no. your brain. Not, not in that case. What I would do oh. is I would I would do a um, 
I would do a, uh, a scratch vocal for Maurice. That is to say, I would say, Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering to hold as a placeholder? Because sometimes um, if it's not usually this way, if Mo were sick, he'd be back in a couple of days and he could pick up that role. But let's just say, God forbid, Mo had to go out of town for a while and the production schedule uh, had to be maintained. Yeah. I was there to record my part. Mo was not, but they had to send them the stuff off to be animated because, as you may or may not know, the acting is done first, and then the, the drawings, the renderings, the computer stuff is done to fit what we do. So we're not limited, you know, technically by the space in which the actor or the, the, the on-camera critters move their lips, you know? So I, I love how you very diplomatically explained that such a situation just never would happen. But your scratch yeah. Maurice Lamarche brain there was pretty good. I don't know well, if you realize that okay, you did so, it, but mm, you, well, I would you might have a future in Sure, that. I'll give it a try. I'd say, Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, Blaine, but if Jack's black and Becky's white, is Marvin gay? No. <laughs> no that's um, something that I would throw out there. But um, there are other ones uh, in which it has turned out to be a great gig. One of my dearest friends out here is a guy named Jeff Bennett, who is best known as the voice of Johnny Bravo um, and a really talented guy, incredibly good um, impressionist and improviser. Uh, we both worked on a show called Ben 10 years ago at Cartoon Network. And one day at a recording session, I had a semi-regular character and one of the producers said, hey, Rob, you do a pretty good Don Knotts, Barney, Barney Fife, right? I said, well, I'm doing okay, but not exactly spot on. If you want somebody to channel it, call Jeff Bennett. And um, they chuckled and said, no, you know what? That's pretty good. So go ahead. So I did it. I I jumped right in. That's one of the first things you learn is you don't, if you really want to be an asset to a producer, you let them know, just like your question. Hey, Rob, can you do brain? I'll give it a shot. I'm in. Love it. Um, yeah, I, I want to play. Are you kidding me? Of course I want to play. Um, so I do this kind of crazy, crappy version of Don Nods and Bonnie Pye doing my thing for this thing. Okay. So afterwards, the producer said, I'm so glad you did that because we love Jeff, but he's not here today. And were he, we would have done it with him. Um, but you know what? We really did what you did. It's not perfect. But it turns out that's not what we wanted. We didn't know it until we heard it. And when you riffed, we thought, oh, my God, it's got the hint of what we thought we wanted. But you and not we all do it. But the actor brought something because he was willing to play that we didn't we didn't even think of. And now we like it better. So I got 12 more episodes out of that character. And if I had been concerned about saying, I don't really do, you might want to get somebody else. Okay, well, they would have. But you, you totally see my point. You, you just It's all about the joy of playing like that. Um, and, and if someone's not going to be judging you by the way you look, and all they want is your input and your creativity, oh, my God, I, I can't think of anything better. Well, you, you've embraced it, and like I said, your resume kind of speaks for itself. Um, and as a matter of fact, I'm yeah. glad you brought up uh, the, your early cartoons, your the Transformers, uh, G.I. Joe, because uh, that's uh, on, here on the show, we talk about that a lot. 
We're always trying uh-huh. to get from those Saturday morning cartoons that so many of us grew up with. And now yeah. we are dropping 20 bucks ahead to go see, you know, tentpole Marvel pictures, which are essentially yeah. just grown up versions of that, of that pop culture. Do you mm-hmm. feel that you bear any responsibility? Did you do this to us? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everything is my fault. That's what. That's <laughs> the kind of ego I have. Um, I, boy, thank you. Well, it's kind of a left-handed compliment. I, I, uh, at least that's the way I take it. The good. Uh, the fact that the fact that you folks uh, and my son, my son is 35. Um, it was, as you can imagine an impossibly glorious experience to have a little boy and an old man uh, who was Raphael. Mm. Um, because Turtles really went nuts in, what, 1990, 91. Mm-hmm. And so he was six or seven years old. I mean, it was for about five years. It was just fabulous. Um, yeah, that Turtle Mania. We did a whole and, episode about that. We feel that is very oh, yeah, culture. Incredible. Uh, but because I started really, really rock and roll in, in cartoons, I was able to enjoy that whole experience with my son, and we would watch favorite shows together, just like my dad and my siblings and me. My mom wasn't a big cartoon fan because she was too busy doing, you know, typical Donna Reed mom stuff and making breakfast and saying, oh, you kids, you know, that <laughs> stuff. So, um, but I loved watching Looney Tunes and Rocky and Bullwinkle and the Flintstones with my own man. I loved it. And so now to be able to do that with my son when he was a kid and I was actually in, in these, some of these shows was just remarkable. Um, and I must say that I feel badly for a lot of folks that the whole Saturday morning vibe is no longer there. Um, but like every other major cultural shift, um, often there's a silver lining. And I have to say that having a bit of a better grasp now on the way uh, all these new entertainment flat platforms work, and because I'm an older person and I clearly remember, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, the advent and the, and the majesty of, of videotape and VHS and Betamax and laser discs and CDs, thinking, oh, my God, we really are going to be living the Jetsons next, you know? Uh, and and now seeing how utterly, completely off the show all that stuff is in a relatively short time uh, is nothing short of astonishing. And now I literally have any movie I want to see ever, ever, and any TV show ever, and I don't even have to stack CDs. I don't have to stack laser discs. I don't have to. Uh, this still amazes me. I'm not. I'm used to it, but I'm not inured to it. I just think, oh my God, look what, look what I get to do every day. I want to watch. I'm going to watch Three Faces of Eve. No, I want to watch Bridge on the River Kwai. I'll tell you what. I'm going to watch them both. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, I still don't so have a spaceship now, that folds up into a briefcase, but we have really not yet. Really advanced entertainment. Right. And and now you it's not quite the same, but you can literally have Saturday morning anytime you want it at your disposal without worrying about going through TV Guide 
and it's my parents, you know, let's go pick the shows for the week here, kids. And there was a certain charm to that, but not anymore. It, it, we can watch Saturday morning, whatever, eat cartoons, eat uh, cereal, watching cartoons, any time of the day, ever. It's just crazy. Yeah. And then, with, a, a, I am particularly incredibly fortunate to get to see a traditional Saturday morning offering from Warner Brothers, in my view, if Disney's the happiest place on earth, Warner Brothers is the funniest place on earth. And I was so proud and <laughs> worked for them both a lot, but I'm very proud of my association with Warner Brothers for the obvious reasons, but simply because of the way those characters and Bugs and Daffy and all the Looney Tunes affected me in a profoundly wonderful way. And my, my siblings, my dad and all that as a kid, um, to have gone from shows like Tiny Toons and Tasmania and Animaniacs, Pinky in the Brain, in the traditional way, they show up on Fox Kids Saturday morning, people watch them, and then they kind of fade away and they've done their thing. And then Stephen calls, and Mr. Spielberg calls a few years ago and says, hey, what do you guys think about doing this again, only on, a, on one of these new platforms? Are you kidding me? Uh, unprecedented in my career, and, and in most careers, really, when you look at this, we have the king of Hollywood at 73 years old saying, hey, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot and Pink in the Brain, you know, the fans really want the authenticity of these characters. This is a big deal. What do you say we do this again? Great. Okay, I'm going to pitch it to Apple, Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon. And be before we do, we're going to make sure that they all know that you guys are in. So we're not going to stunt cast. This isn't about having... Liam Neeson, as much as we love him, being the brain. <laughs> these characters, you know, these characters have a, an authenticity and a love. And now the audience who loves them are the children of the parents who grew up watching them. And you know what, you guys? He was right. An Animaniacs on Hulu is over the moon. Um, to the extent those people, are, you know, I think even Nielsen is involved in, in whatever the digital ratings are, the streaming ratings. Mm -hmm. Animaniacs is taking the shit out of it. Well, and it's it's. I've only... seen friends of mine who I happen to know for a fact do not have children post mm -hmm. stuff on social media about loving the new Animaniacs. It's yeah. It it is you know he's very, he's right also from a, you know Spielberg is also a very keen commercial mind, and he knows yeah. that. You'd never really lose fans of cartoons. That mm -hmm. demographic is right. just going to keep dragging it forward, just like we have. You know, it's Great you can point. say there's no uh -huh. Saturday morning cartoons now, but it's only because our generation said, "No, screw it, we're taking it with us to college and, well and careers and our own families." Yeah, and thank you for doing that. I, but I think <laughs> it was with your help. God bless you. Well, it's that, see how that works, isn't it? We are really, truly are all this together. Um, but I, 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 the older I get, and the great, great good fortune I've had to work on really good stuff. You know, I, I'm good at my job. I ought to be. Jesus Christ, I've been doing it for 40 years. But I don't draw them. I don't write them. Um, and I, I got nothing without a huge number of deeply gifted people and deeply passionate uh, folks. But when you're lucky enough to have the, the boss man uh, be Steven Spielberg, 
um, <laughs> yeah. it allows you yeah. to, you know, it just it changes the whole paradigm because we now all of a sudden get a ha- a thirty piece orchestra for every half hour. That's the way all the original Looney Tunes were done in most cartoons back then. But it's really expensive, and it it doesn't happen unless you got that kind of juice. But when it's done right, it is utterly timeless, like Kill the Wabbit, Kill the Wabbit, or <laughs> United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, or the the new stuff. You know, it's it's timeless because it's done well, and it it, it it's it, it's such a, a thrill to be involved in something that I really believe is going to be relevant and entertaining and joyful and even helpful to people um, long after I've punched my ticket. That's a really cool thing, uh, you know, to, to, to see that. Um, so the excitement that I have literally daily um, when I hear from the producer, our, our showrunner, Wellesley Wild, on the new episodes, who says, oh, my God, look at this. Look at these numbers. We're being beaten by the Mandalorian, and that's it this week. And I, well, what? Oh yeah, I mean that's just crazy. Next you better week, pull yeah, up those bootstraps. Uh, that's got a chap, Steve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You better get your shit together, bud, if you want to. Kick it. But it, it's just, um, it's just crazy, and it doesn't matter that it's quote just a cartoon close quote. A whole bunch of people are watching it. And a lot of them, it, you know, when we do our Animaniacs and concert shows in which my partner, Randy Rogel, who wrote most of the songs that everyone knows from the show, and I, we go out with orchestras and do it, and or just Randy and me and a piano. It's so much fun. But I'm telling you what, the audience, whether it's 200 people at a club or 3,000 people at a concert venue with the Colorado Symphony, the breadth of the ages are 10 to 70 it's not a bunch of 15 and 20 and 11-year-olds. It's remarkable amounts of people who would maybe go see the music of Harry Potter or Bugs on Broadway. It's, it's just incredible to me and, and so much fun. Write that down, Dan. Um, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg behind you is going to open up a lot of doors for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Make a note of that. Uh, uh, he's but, just giving out the secrets. But there's no way that you could do Animaniacs without yourself and Jess and Tress. There's no, I don't think there's any way that you could Thanks. put that out there with any other voices. And you, and not one of you has lost a step. It's uh, pretty seamless. Thank you. No, thank you. Is- uh, what, what's your secret? <laughs> I know. Oh, my uh, God. Well, we, I mean, you just, uh, maybe we could transition into your, had the uh, throat cancer a couple years ago. Oh, surprise. Yeah. Um, Absolutely, and I'm so glad you brought that up because um, when folks like you are nice enough to do what you're doing, that is giving me insane amounts of your time and your audience's time to ramble on, every now and then there's something that I get to speak about that really is important to me. I mean, it's all important to me. You're kind enough to ask. But the glory of podcasting and the ability to reach a whole bunch of people right now um, it is terrific specifically to me with respect to my throat cancer experience a few years ago at this very time, actually, very, it was the 1st of February. Uh, I was diagnosed, I noticed a lump on the left side of my neck um, a few months earlier, shaving, and I thought, oh, well, could be this. It's probably just 
nothing because it didn't hurt. I was doing my gig, wasn't losing weight. You know. So I waited to have it checked out until I went to my yearly physical in February. Had my doc put his fingers on it, and it's not like a goiter, but you could kind of see it. And five seconds, boys, he said, uh, nah, not good. And I thought, oh, come on. It just messed with him. No, no, this is, uh, yeah, look at this yesterday. So within 10 days, it had been biopsied, and it was stage three metastatic squamous cell carcinoma. Um, the reason it was staged a little bit higher was that the area that I discovered was the, the spot to which the cancer had already spread. So the primary tumor was not yet noticeable. They had to find it, and it was buried way deep in the tissues of my throat uh, behind my tongue. And that was that was pretty rough trying to find that thing. Uh, but they did. And the reason the story is important to me specifically is uh, because one of the things that I really, and this is the God's honest truth, that I really, really love about my gig in general is the is all I have to do with two nice young fellows like you is say, um, hey, Jimmy, is your mom home today? Because I know it's unrequited, but I have a total crush on her. And you guys are going, oh, my God, that's so weird. But Carl Weezer is freaking cool. And I love that I have that superpower that has been given to me by guys like Steven Spielberg, right? Hello, nurse. Turtle power. Um, So let's see. Uh, um, How's it here? Oh, where are my testicles, Summer? I mean, I get to do all that stuff. And it just makes everybody (laughs) Okay. So now that I've had this throat cancer experience, not foot cancer, not hair cancer, we make plans and God laughs. Hey, man, how about throat cancer? And I never didn't laugh at the wonderful, the delicious irony of that. But what really floats my boat the most is the joy that those characters bring. Now, as a result of your kindness and having gotten through it, I'm fine. I never wanted to be known as, oh, yeah, that guy, Ron Pullman, voice guy, he's back on Animaniacs. He sounds pretty good for a guy that had throat cancer a couple of years ago. I didn't want that. I wanted people to say, just what you said, very kindly. Man, you guys haven't missed a beat. Not, can you believe that guy had throat cancer? But it's important because you're giving me this opportunity, and we never know who's going to be listening to us. We never know when they're going to listen to us, maybe years from now. And somebody is a fan of yours and says, those guys had this knucklehead Rob Paulson on there. Hey, Dad, you got to listen to this guy. This guy, remember how much we used to watch fill in the blank together? Would you know that guy had throat cancer? And now we've been watching Animaniacs and you love Pinky in the Brain. He went through what you're fixing to go through, Dad. And you can do this. This guy does it for a living. And, and he's, he's fine. So we, we got this. We, you you got to listen to what this guy's, and you're giving me that opportunity. That's why it's important. You know, I make my living in the in the happy business. I'm basically a, I don't know, a blue-collar worker in the dream factory. But ultimately, if, if we purport to all be in this together, 
then the opportunity to help others dealing with a really terrifying experience is is something that I will never be able to get enough of. And I truly appreciate what you fellas are giving me an opportunity today by saying that. So thank you. Well, I'm I just going to say, like, cancer couldn't even ring your bell and knock you out of it. <laughs> no, the guy from Winnipeg was tougher than cancer. I got to find that guy and say, dude, <laughs> I don't know if you're alive or prison or whatever, but for what it's worth, you're tougher than cancer. <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's a, I, I've had a hell of a run. And so far, I don't have any uh, inclinations that I'm going to step off the curb anytime soon. But, yeah, I, I'm a lottery winner, you guys, and, and I know it. And um, for me, the cancer, while I certainly would never want to go through it again, specifically and, and unequivocally because of nice folks like you, it has been a silver lining because I now have been able to meet people uh, in person before COVID con happened, but we'll be back uh, doing, you know, concerts or conventions that are so ubiquitous all over the world. And I've had the opportunity to meet folks who have, who heard me on a similar show to yours or read my book or whatever and said, my son, told me about this and one the first time it happened was a woman my age and my son told me about your book i had a similar cancer on my top on a tonsil and um i was distraught and um your son reminded me how much we loved ninja turtles when he was a, a little guy and he made me listen to the audio version of your book and your experience really helped me figure it out I cannot ever in my lifetime ask for anything that is a more an important confirmation of of your you know your your mission or or just my humanity. And I know that is really heady stuff, but it's freaking important, man. Oh yeah, yeah. There is uh, you, know? uh, you can say and a I... lot of things to bring joy to people, but I think the most basic and most important fundamental joy you can expressed to anyone else is that everything's going to be okay. Amen. And we can all do that. It, it's, and, and moreover, we need it to, we need to hear from other people. I, I get tired being the one like, no, no, we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure this out. Um, in my own life. It's really nice when my son or my wife says, honey, let's relax. It's going to be okay. I mean, come on, you've done this. You've been down this road. <sighs> Thank you. You're right. Everybody needs a little juice every now and then, you know? And that's what's, um, I think, so gratifying is that if we are open to it, if we're open to the, to the opportunity to learn and, and to, to take an extra breath and take an extra moment to do uh, a kindness for its own sake, it makes a freaking difference. And I'm here to tell you the number of times that somebody as simply as saying, you know what, I think you sound pretty good. And then they would play it back for me and I would say, oh, my God, you're right, I do. Thank you. Thanks for pointing that out. Oh, my God, I'm I'm heading in the right direction, you know, post-cancer. It helps, man, and we can all do it. So God bless you for having this forum for all of us to discuss what's important, you know, and it, it really makes a difference. 
Well, the forum is better off with people like you on it. So uh, really, I want to thank you, especially Rob. Uh, And we should probably start wrapping this up. So I'm going to remind everybody out there, new Animaniacs, as if you didn't know it, uh, you can catch uh, a new 30-minute episode this Saturday. Or you can catch seven episodes this Tuesday at four in the morning. It's up to you now. God, now you're talking. That's great. You know, Saturday morning. Who, who watches cartoons on Saturday morning, man? I have uh, I have a handful of edibles and a couple of Labatt blues that I watch them on a Wednesday at four a.m. That's my cartoon. <laughs> that's yeah. that's know? that's living. That's grown up. And then I That's and then I get up baby. and have another handful of edibles and a couple I watch them again. <laughs> Woo-hoo! That's turtle power. Oh man. Well, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. And we um, are- you guys uh you guys are just delightful and, and I just want to leave you and your listeners and I know what I'm um I know what I'm talking about. And I would say that laughter is the best medicine, Brian. The cool thing is you can't OD and the retail's are free. No, so that's what I say. Oh, oh, we are going to be using that quite a bit here on the show. I hope you're aware Please. of that. We've got a new time. Far away. <laughs> and the other one, what's the other one that, that my son uh, freaked me out? He said, hey, Dad, um, he, for some reason, people really love uh, that little guy, Carl Weezer from Jimmy Neutron. And um, he showed me some crazy meme. This was now three or four years ago. And it was just a scene. Uh, it was Billy West and me, whom I, I just, he's one of the, oh, my God, from another planet in terms of his talent and his kindness. Um, but Billy and I had this scene in which he was playing some guy, and I was playing Carl, which is a character I helped create. And I say to him, excuse me, are you going to finish that croissant? And he says, sure, kid, knock yourself out or whatever. But that silly chunk of a 10-second piece of a cartoon episode has gotten, like, millions of views. So now I get people who are, you know, 12, 14, 17, 16 years old. Go ahead, say it, dude, say it. Are you going to finish that croissant? And they flip out. That's That's the other kind of stuff that's happened with all this crazy technology. So anyway, yeah. Good night, everybody. Hello, <laughs> nurse. Cowabunga, turtle power, you know, all of that stuff. And thank you. Ultimately, thank you very much. And, uh, oh, thank you. Hey, one more real quick one before you slide out the door. Yeah. Uh, what, when you do sit down to watch Animaniacs or any of your volume of work uh, on Saturday morning or whatever it is, what is your favorite Saturday morning cereal that you like to enjoy with it? Oh, Cocoa Krispies. I have always Ooh. loved Cocoa Krispies. Locked up. Um, in fact... Yeah, baby. Yeah. In fact, uh, Maurice and I, uh, a couple of years ago, we always did a Toys for Tots, um, thinking in the brain, like, watch party, where we would, uh, for several years, we would go to the Hollywood Improv here and um, watch the Pinky in the Brain Christmas episode, and folks would get to come in with their pajamas, and we'd all eat cereal watching. It was a blast. Um, and I remember having being so thrilled that I could uh, have Cocoa Krispies and a vodka tonic. I thought, no, you're talking. That's that Saturday morning, baby. Um, cut, from told the, you, yeah, Jimmy. cut from the same cloth. Paulson gets it. There you go. <laughs> cut yeah, from the same cloth. That's right. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was pretty great. Um, but, um, 
I, I'm just uh, really thrilled that you guys gave me so much of your time, and um, and I really look forward to chatting with you again, maybe even in person one day. I think that would be great. Ooh, I can oh, get that, would that someday. Thanks for your Good. time, Robin, and thanks for a lifetime My, of uh, happy memories, Saturday morning memories. My great pleasure. You guys get free tickets to the water tower, unless, of course, you're arrested getting on the lot, in which case you're on your own. Good night, everybody. <laughs> My Saturday nights were dull and dreary until I had my first friends. My lunch hours were really boring until I started having friends. Why have the same old thing? Have a fring. At Jack in the Box, we put our crisp, delicious French fries together with our tangy golden onion rings in one bag and invented frings. I just had my first fring, and my taste buds will never be the same again. So go have a fring, only at Jack in the Box. All right. Oh, see, I know because I talked to him in depth, as you heard, but I know that was Rob Paulson in a Jack in the Box commercial. Jack in the Box commercial. Another cultural landmark. Boom. Ding. Boom. He did it. Uh, yes. You you have a keen ear and uh, previous prior knowledge. But yes, that was Rob Paulson in <laughs> yeah. a commercial. And uh, Well, the last hour and 15 minutes have surely been context. <laughs> Absolutely. You've heard his voice so much. You, you well, can pick you him know, out from anywhere. Yeah, and uh, not usually, not when he puts effort behind it. He was just using his, his speaking voice there, and that's how I know because we're good friends. Yes. And you also get to see him if you go on the YouTube and you find the Frings commercial. You could see what he looks like. But the thing that I liked about this so much is that I am recently, uh, meaning the last twenty years, I live in San Diego, <laughs> but. Before that, I lived in Albuquerque, which we did have a Jack in the Box, but it was one. But there was one, and it folded after the whole people dying at Jack in the Box. Yeah, thing. Uh, we're, wait, and never came and back. You guys no, didn't have Jack in the Box weird. in Albuquerque? Well, we did, and now it's back well, now yeah, the in the original spot, but it wasn't for a long time. Huh? Oh, yeah, is it's it? back. But however, you... well, that's news for our Albuquerque listeners, or at least me. That's not the point I'm trying to make here. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that uh, the uh, one thing that we didn't have. We didn't have Jack in the Box commercials where I grew up. And when I moved to San Diego 20 something years ago, I saw Jack in the Box commercials and they were fantastic. They're amazing. They were all the yes. rage. They beat the food by, by far. By far, not even close. And as it turns out, Rob Paulson, yes, was starting. Rob Paulson, our guest, was a big part of that too. Well, you know what? I think but before we go, we should all take a pick. From these oh low five hundred and twenty nine opportunities he had to touch all of us <laughs> uh, with all of these projects, uh, be, just just to prove a point to the listener that you know who he is. He's probably affected your entertainment life in some way. Uh, who who'll start? Uh, me. Here, I'll take it. This one isn't. This is from early on. This is even uh, not a voice acting role. But you remember the movie Spaceballs? Oh yeah, Spaceballs. When they do the, we ain't they're, found they're looking shit. for. Yeah, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, it's funny you should quote that line because that's the exact part that he is in when they do the joke about, uh, yes, we're we're combing the desert and they pull out and it's literally some stormtroopers with a giant comb 
pulling it across the <laughs> desert dunes. Well, the guy pulling the comb, wow. that is a long shot of a guy wearing a helmet and the guy under the wow. helmet. Is yeah, I've got to Rob watch that Paulson. movie again. That is crazy. Who didn't use his voice or face or anything, but still <laughs> somehow got himself stuck in this cultural he got a credit. landmark. That's some good extra again. work. That's some good extra work. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It was apparently so. They they were making that movie, and they said even the extras need a comedy <laughs> you know, background. Hey, side side note: You know the guy who had that famous quote, "We ain't found shit." That's Tim Russ, who would later play Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager. Oh, yeah, there you go. That, a little right. little fun fact for you, Cyril. Right? <laughs> He's moving on. And we we don't like facts if they're not fun here. Uh huh. So, all right, next, uh, now I want to hear from you. Uh, let's go right to you, Marky. Mm. Pick one. Pick one. Deck of 529 cards. Pick one and tell me why it meant something to you. So, uh, this is really hard for me to pick just one because, this, again, 528. And, you know, the fact that he's in the Transformers, uh, that's awesome. Uh, but, however, to keep it on the Saturday morning theme, this guy did 32 episodes of Bobby's World, which was the Howie Mandel voiced Ooh. character. And in a week where I'm going to be Debbie Downer here, where Screech dies, oh, rest in peace, oh. uh, Dustin Diamond. R.I.P. Dustin Diamond. Right. Yeah. Uh, my Saturday mornings, they were Bobby's World and Saved by the Bell for many years at least four or five years those two shows were on saturday mornings together back to back and i i watched bobby's world so much i loved bobby's world and this guy i cannot you know i haven't seen that show in 40 years 30 years but uh <laughs> he was in 32 episodes of it and you know he's there he's a part of you know rob paulson is a part of my life uh, I didn't even yep. know it. He's, he's there. Thirty-two in my episodes. Head, Schwartz. He's in my head. <laughs> he's there. He's Bobby's world. My God, Bobby's world. This guy's in Bobby's world. I cannot say that. I'm going to say it one more yeah. time. He's in Bobby's world. That's crazy. And it's one of those where he slips under the radar and he's part of something that makes you who you are. Yeah. Uh, nature, nurture, argument aside, I know Bobby's world helps make you who you are, Marky. Thank you, man. It does. I'm here today. Hey. Jimmy, Jimmy, he's got a long list of credits. Is there anything in there that uh, that that was kind of some gristle for you to choke chew on when you were younger, or or choke on? Even well, now? younger is kind of relative, right? But back in the day, my what, my favorite credit of his is the the tick. He took over for Mickey Dolenz, played Arthur in the first season, and then he took over oh, for him yeah. in seasons two and Arguably three. Also saved the, the show in that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's that's really the one that sticks out for me, as well as. Uh, you know, he mentioned that one cat from uh, the event Jimmy New- the Adventures of Jimmy Neutron, uh, Carl Weezer. That's that's kind of one of his favorite voices to do. Yeah. But for me, yeah, yeah, you when can I, tell when, that when you, when I got the phone call when I picked up the bat phone and it said uh, Rob Paulson, uh, the one that I would the the one that I was excited to touch on was the Tick and Arthur. Yeah. All right. Well, then uh, Johnny Heck. Pick one. Come on, uh, pick one. All right, gentlemen. Yeah. So 
one of the great things about this voice actor, and it it is a bit of a well, not so much of a stretch, but he, he, these guys don't get as much credit as they should. And growing up, noticing, Amen. and I didn't notice him. He was on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. He was not only Raphael, he was Donatello. Yeah. And I love that goddamn cartoon. Oh. I grew up with yeah. that cartoon. That yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage, I mean, I had the cereal. I had the action figures. I had all of it. And he was two out of the four of the turtles, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, he's half the turtles, man. <laughs> Holy shit. Like even even Paul McCartney was just one beat. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Best analogy ever. And you seen that. And also just looking at uh, I mean he played so many other characters on the show being mm. so talented as he is, but He's probably yep. like, and I picture it like every time he's trying to walk out the door, they're like, oh, oh, Rob, you know what? We need someone to be a thug with a weird New York accent. Do you, do you have four minutes? Yeah. And he just walked back in. Hey. hey yeah. Oh, Rob. Let's slap, do it again. Slap me 50 bucks. But dude, two turtles? <laughs> 50% of the turtles? Get the <laughs> 50% of here, turtles. Like, he's half turtle. No one else can say that. Yeah. It's it's amazing. That, that was my stinger. I love that. Uh, I love that show so much. Um, so yeah. No, that's great because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, my God, the length of time that has been in the pop culture conversation. Yeah, it and they brought him. Not as long as Rob Paulson, incidentally, <laughs> but well, it, it's a testament to be like, we need to entrust these voices to someone, to a real pro who yeah. is a modern day Mel Blanc. Who can we get and that also, we can depend on? If you look at, so the Turtles came out in 87, yes? Sounds right. Uh, they, yeah, they well, had a, I mean, you're putting me on the spot, but okay. Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking out on my screen, bro. <laughs> they came out in 87, they came back out with another iteration in 2012. Who'd they call? Paulson. Yeah. Give me, you know? give me Paulson, they said. And isn't the same thing with Animaniacs 25 years ago? Approximately, right? Yep. And I mean, it comes yep. out uh, now. 93, so yeah. Could they recast? Could they bring someone else? No. Who they call? Well, you don't have to recast a wonderful, spirited voice like Rob Paulson's. Exactly. You just wheel yeah. the old guy up there to the microphone and let him do his <laughs> thing. I mean, apparently. I mean, you heard that talk. That was so much fun talking yeah. to him. Uh, and you know it these days... Uh, it's such a pleasure to talk to anybody new anyway, especially if they've got like a really good, you know, connection on their cell phone. He might have been using a landline. It was great. So that on top of the fact that he sounded like he wanted to talk to us, uh, he's just a great guy, great improv artist, and also would not hold back on his own, you know, the his own life, talking about his cancer. Uh, what a great time talking to him. And it's... It's because of him, I'll say it. It's because of him that America is what America is. <laughs> You're absolutely right. There it is. I put it out there. Yeah, man, and uh it's I kind of I kind of feel like um we're leaving um Oh leaving... about five hundred and twenty three <laughs> credits on the table. I don't blame you. As a matter of fact, <laughs> this fourteen second scroll that you got. Why don't you just start naming some more credits and let's just let's just listen 
because I want to hear some of the things that are going to tickle my my nostalgia nerves. Go on, okay. Marky. What you well, got on that IMDb read? I think I only got to G.I. Joe, so then it's uh, he's in Yogi's Treasure Hunt. He's in The New Adventures of Johnny Quest, one of my favorites. I assume that'd be Yogi Bear. Of Barrett, course he's right? in My Little Pony and Friends. Of course he's in Scooby-Doo. He's in Gem. A Transformers. Oh, Scooby Doo. He was in Fraggle Rock. He was in Foofer. He was in the Pound Puppies. Oh, I didn't have HBO. The Pound Puppies. Pound puppies everybody. Ducktales, of course. <laughs> Flintstones, kids. They made a vitamin out of that one. He was in uh, Rockin' <laughs> with Judy Jetson. He was in the new Yogi Bear show. Power the Snorks. We covered that. East Side Story. Warlock. Mutant on the Bounty. The Smurfs. Of course, he's in the Smurfs. Of course, he's in the Smurfs. He was in one episode of the Karate. Ain't that just something, folks? Well, some people say these boys are still reading from this IMDb list to this very day. Now, personally, I find that hard to believe. Mostly because, uh, clearly that's enough of this, right? I'm serious. That's enough of this. We got other podcasts to listen to. Play that damn G.I. Joe thing right now. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Oh, this is enough of this. Thank you for joining Saturday Morning Serial for our primetime special, the Rob Paulson, that one guy you've heard a lot episode. We love doing those uh, uh, shows for you. And we wanted to send a special thank you to Paramount Home Entertainment, uh, who insist on reminding me how old I am by packaging movies I thought were just released yesterday, but as it turns out, it was a long time ago. This week, we're going to celebrate She's the Man, which is celebrating its 15th year anniversary, I told you you're going to feel old, with the Blu-ray and digital release. This hilarious teen cult classic celebrates its 15th anniversary on Blu-ray for the very first time. Classic, This classic comedy debuts individually and in a new Girls Rule three-movie Blu-ray collection to be released on March 2nd, 2021, but you can win it right now, but keep listening. Amanda Bynes scores loads of laughs in this romantic and rollicking comedy, She's the Man, arriving on Blu-ray for the first time March 2nd, 2021 from Paramount Home Entertainment. The film will also be available in the new Girls Rule three-movie Blu-ray collection, which will also arrive on March 2nd and includes the infinitely quotable and culturally iconic films Mean Girls, Clueless, and She's the Man. Celebrating its 15th anniversary this year, She's the Man features a sensational cast led by Bynes, including Channing Tatum from 21 Jump Street and a whole bunch of other stuff, including a very depressing G.I. Joe movie, which I thought he was not used correctly. Laura Ramsey from Lords of Dogtown, Robert Hoffman, 90210, and Alexandra Breckenridge from This Is Us? Wait, that question mark shouldn't be there. This Is Us! That's a TV show that I watch sometimes. Uh, the She's the Man Blu-ray includes access to a digital copy of the film, as well as the following previously released bonus content. Maybe that should be previously... Not previously released? Well, let's celebrate something that's already been released. Uh, commentary by actors Amanda Bynes, Channing Tatum, Laura Ramsey, Robert Hoffman, and Alexandra Breckenridge, directed by Andy Fickman and co-written by producer Hewan Jack Leslie. 
bonus content also includes second commentary with Ewan Jack Leslie and producer Lauren Schuler Donner, who is either the mother, the wife, or the daughter of anybody? Anybody? Richard Donner. That's right. Guy in the back. Richard Donner, who did Superman and Lethal Weapon. I'm not sure if Laura, how she's related, but I'm pretty sure she is. I am getting sidetracked. Bonus content also includes Making the Man, the trope inspired by Shakespeare's dot, dot, dot. I don't know what that means. You're going to have to open this thing up and understand it better than me. Nine deleted scenes with optional commentary by Amanda Bynes. Yes, she's still working. Andy Fickman and Ewan Jack Leslie. This also includes a gag reel. I love gag reels. I love gag reels, and unless you own a DVD or were in the cast, you probably don't get to see these, but here it is, available as bonus content. Cast photo album, Shakespeare, soccer, and such trivia track, and I don't know what that means, but I'm sure it's fun, and Let Go, music video by David Likens. And just in case you're itching for another synopsis, listen to this. Amanda Bynes proves that girls can do anything guys can do in this hysterical comedy of errors when Viola, that's played by Bynes, disguised as her twin brother Sebastian, James Kirk, joins the high school boys soccer team. I knew where this was going. She ends up helping them win the big game. She also unexpectedly falls for Duke, Channing Tatum, the hot star forward, and I'm sure soon to have very conflicting feelings on masculinity and sexuality. I'm not sure. But you can find out. She's the Man is available right now. All you have to do is send me a tweet. I am at Stay Classy SDCC. Tell me that you would like to own your very own copy of She's the Man. And I will send you one of these i only have a small amount so get on it at stay classy sdcc thank you for listening don't forget to send me a tweet and i'll send you a copy of she's the man and with that that is enough of this